Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hi, happy mess. I'm Ziri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> hello, hello. What is up? Welcome to another episode of Hot Happy Mess. I am your host, Ziri Hall, and y'all are not going to believe where I am right now. Well, you might think it's an airport if you hear the plane flying above me. And there is a slight beep in the background. But if those two things didn't exist, if they weren't distracting from the point I'm trying to make, then you would be able to hear the very soft, gentle sounds of birds chirping, two very adorable cats, one of whom is pregnant, meowing in delicate circles around me. Leaves are blowing in the wind. My feet are kicked up on a coffee table and I am outside recording with a sure mic. I'm just outside of Yosemite, took a weekend trip to Mariposa with my boyfriend and a couple of our friends, and we have just been hanging out and getting off the grid um, for a little while for a much-needed mental health break, because <laughs> I got to tell you guys, this podcast is all about best life minus the burnout. I have a confession to make. It's time I tell you. I'm dealing with a little best life burnout. Oh my gosh, just a little bit. It was the last week and a half, two weeks-ish, and it just went into straight uh, spiral mode between, you know, all of the different things that I've had going on work-wise. I just was like, nothing exists. No obligations exist. I am overwhelmed. Um, And so it took about a week or two for me to kind of pivot, get back on track. Obviously... This trip is helping and I've only been here for 12 hours. It's awesome. Um, So here's a new episode. You're welcome and also I'm sorry. Uh, So like we said a couple of weeks ago, we are kicking off the Career in Finance series. Um, We have so many awesome experts uh, stacked up to help you get the coins together. 
just had an amazing conversation with a financial expert who's kind of breaking down the finances um, in a 101 vibe, right? From stocks to investing to um, financial compatibility with your partner. Um, We're going to tackle so much during this series. Uh, But today we're just kind of diving into my career story. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with my background or how I ended up where I am now. And then we have a ton of listener submitted questions, which are always my favorite because this means um, that it's really all about you and what you're curious about and what you want to know about. And as I love to say, you are the VIP of your life. So come get your hot, happy mess on today. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. go. So my career story. I was born just outside of a small little town. No, I was born in Toledo, in Toledo, Ohio. Shout out to the 419 for life. And I grew up um, loving entertainment. I always knew that I wanted to go into entertainment, but I didn't necessarily know what that final, you know, manifestation would look like. So I loved acting. I still love acting. I loved singing and performing. And I always figured, okay, I'll go to LA, you know, and go be an actress or singer. Um, And so from a very early age, I took that super seriously, actually. I told y'all in the episode about how to pivot or is it time for you to pivot that I used to be in a girl group, (laughs) a girl group with photos that I'm still trying to scour from the internet. But I, I I did a children's theater workshop growing up. I minored in theater when I was studying at Ohio State. Basically, I graduated. So I went to a private school, a private independent school in just outside of Toledo in the suburbs and grew up in the inner city. So I would just kind of ping pong back and forth. I would take the yellow bus from, from home out to school and then back home again every night for six years, really, middle school and high school. And then I, I, mean, I was on an academic scholarship there. Um, So that is the only way that we were able to really make that work, my parents and my family with our financial situation. Um, But it was a really awesome education. And uh, I ended up applying for colleges and, you know, grants and various scholarships. And I ended up with a full ride at the Ohio State University, go Bucks, OH. And because of that, I decided to um, lean in and go to Ohio State, head to Columbus. It was just far enough away from home that I could feel like I wasn't under the watchful gaze of my parents, um, but also close enough that when I wanted my mom and dad, I could be close. I could just hop on the interstate and be there in like two and a half hours, maybe three. So... I immediately started performing and doing music and, you know, theater-based stuff when I was on campus. And pretty quickly, I declared my major. I majored in strategic communication with a minor in theater. And my sort of backup planny thought was, okay, if all else fails, I'll go into Stratcom, like PR, public relations in the entertainment industry. But the truth is, which I've said before on the podcast, I don't really believe in backup plans or at least not thoroughly planning them. Because when you start giving as much thought or more to the, if the first thing fails, you're directing your energy in the wrong direction. So I always like loose backup plans and then I just focus and go all in on what I'm actually trying to do. So I went to Ohio State. Um, That was kind of my backup plan. But the entire time I was auditioning, I was actually getting paid really good checks uh, to anyone who is in college or, you know, late teens, early 20s right now and just trying to make a few bucks. Don't sleep on the Midwest when it comes to 
Um, when it comes to casting opportunities, there's a really, at least there was, this was, you know, 10 something years ago. Um, but there's a really strong print modeling and commercial modeling community. Like you can get you a little Macy spread, you know, a little JC Penny fashion catalog action. Do people even use catalogs anymore? Um, I was in a few commercials. I won't tell you which ones because I really hope they don't live anywhere on Google. Um, but those were really great checks. A few thousand bucks here, a few thousand bucks there. I'd get a royalty check five years later because I didn't even realize the commercial was still airing. Um, so I was doing that. And right before I graduated from college, I was on campus at my um, work study position. And I um, stumbled across this online advertisement that was like, do you want to be the face of this local TV station? And I was like, I don't know what it is, but I want to be the face of it. I was looking for a job. And so I have I told all this story before, by the way, if so, then that means you're like family when you just start recycling the same stories. And they're like, we know, Zuri. God, we know. Please spare us. But just in case you don't, <laughs> I was like, I want to be the face. I hopped in my 99 Ford Taurus Hoopty with the air conditioning that didn't work. So the car with non-existent AC. And I drove in the almost summer of Columbus, Ohio to Indianapolis, Indiana. Like the next day, my boss was super chill and really nice. And so she let me have the day off so I could drive up. Um, so I drove the, what, maybe three to four, three and a half hours to Indianapolis and I auditioned. A few hundred other people auditioned. They were all local, all from Indianapolis. And I know a couple of them had to be like, why is this girl here from Columbus? Um, it was just extra. <laughs> it was a lot. But I really wanted the job. And I've always been such a go-getter and so hungry when there's something that I, I need or want to fight for. Um, so I ended up getting a call back. So it went from a few hundred to the top 10 to the top five to naming the winner. And every time there was a new round of elimination, like we would have to come up and do a competition or can you produce a fields package or uh, interview this community leader? Like, can you read a teleprompter? They bring us in the studio and we do that. And so you were just kind of com competing. It was like American Idol, but in Indiana and for TV hosting instead of singing. And so every time there was another round of auditioning, I had to drive. So... Once I drove from Columbus to Indianapolis, another time I was in Cleveland, I remember this, Akron actually, uh, for the weekend and I had to drive for the next round from Cleveland to Indianapolis, which is even farther, even more hours. And there was this really bad rain and thunderstorm and I was driving in the pitch darkness and I was like, good God, one, let me survive this drive and two, oh Lord, please make it worth it. Please let this be worth it. And then in the end, it was. I got the position. Um, one of my best friends, Lisa, drove up with me um, from Columbus to Indianapolis that time. And they had the top five sitting on a chair on the local lifestyle talk show. And the hosts of that uh, lifestyle show announced the winner on air. And it was me. And that was the beginning of an amazing career um, that was really just baptism by fire. Up until that point, honestly, I hadn't thought about TV hosting in any concrete way as a career. Like, yeah, I knew about broadcasters and I loved Oprah Winfrey and she was a huge role model for me. But in a bigger sense, in a public figure sense, in a 
and an actress, executive producer, and TV host since. She was just this sort of all-encompassing lifestyle and wellness and daytime talk brand. And I really loved all of that. I loved that she was a great example of a person, period. But on top of that, a Black woman who could do it all, who refused to be kept in the box that her industry said she was supposed to be in. So that was a bit of a tangent, but all that to say, I got the gig. I ended up making a name for myself in Indianapolis in the space. I was working at the local station, you know, interviewing community leaders, going to parades. Uh, I would go to like a local winery or wine shop and interview the owner. I would go to the art museum and be like, hey guys, this new exhibit is popping up this weekend. So it was really fun kind of fluff and lifestyle content. And it was a part-time gig. Um, So... I did that for a little while, for about a year. It was a one-year contract. They asked me to stay a few months longer, so I did. And during that time, I also started emceeing for the Indiana Pacers and then the minor league baseball team, the Indianapolis Indians. So I was emceeing for the NBA team, the minor league baseball team, and then even the Super Bowl, the year that it came to Indianapolis, they ended up um, meeting with me and asking me to be the onstage MC for the entire week of festivities for the entertainment and concerts and things for seven days or so leading up to the big game. So I did that. I had this awesome time in Indianapolis. So then I got a job in Dayton, Ohio. At that time, I was realizing, okay, um, I love this. I'm This job excites me. TV hosting, like I got a lot of momentum very quickly. And I told you guys again in the Is, is, the, is It Time For You To Pivot episode, It felt like if I took one step, God took me two in this space where there were other things that I tried, you know, whether it was music or uh, maybe acting to a certain extent. But I I wasn't um, pounding the pavement as hard with that as I was with music at the time. And, you know, even corporate stuff. I came so close to being chosen for Teach for America. And it is the biggest blessing of a no that I got. I got all the way to the end. You hear me? All the way to the end. And I started convincing myself that that's what I could want for myself or would want. And I was like, and shout out to the program. It is an amazing program. And to all the teachers out there, I have family members who are teachers. It is such a hard and difficult job and it takes such an intelligent and patient person and I really think teachers are unsung heroes so I'd say all that to say I don't got that type of patience <laughs> so I don't know what I was thinking when I um when I well I know what I was thinking I was thinking I need a job and I like kids I really do I love kids um and that was mostly <laughs> so I got to the end of the program and then I got denied y'all and when I tell you sometimes the no is setting you up for the biggest yes I sometimes think about where I'd be if I'd gotten accepted and just kind of settled into an okay version of my life and I only say okay because it's not what I really wanted for myself if that's what I wanted for myself that would be entirely different but that wasn't the case um so because I was denied, that's when I ended up, you know, stepping out on faith and going hard and auditioning for, you know, the face of that local TV station in Indy, um, and things took off from there. So now I was leaving Indianapolis and I wanted to 
go to um, a, a live television show. I wanted to start to show what I was capable of in other spaces so I could get bigger jobs. So instead of going up in market size, Indianapolis is like a market number 25. If you're unfamiliar, um, local TV stations are grouped by numbers. So, you know, the top five are the biggest ones. New York, L.A., Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, I'm forgetting now. Chicago and I think Philadelphia. Um, then there's top 10, top 25. So the higher up in ranking you are, the more eyeballs you're reaching um, with viewership every day. Um, so I was in a top 25 market. I think India was 25, which is huge to be only 21, 22 um, on television. And so I had to go down to market number 62 to Dayton, Ohio. But in return for that climb down or not, yeah, climb down the ladder, um, I was able to get more responsibility and more exposure. So now I was the co-host of a daily local lifestyle show, not unlike the one that I was on when they announced that I was the face of that new that local station. So I was in Dayton, Ohio for a year. Honestly, it was kind of miserable. Um, I didn't love my time there um, for a bunch of reasons. But the bright spots were, you know, the opportunities at work and, and the the opportunity to um, learn how to produce a little bit more and um, to uh, really cut my teeth in this space um, and not just on camera. It was the first time that I really started to lean into and think with a producer's mind Um and that has served me well and I've continued to expand on that. So I was there for about a year and my goal was national by 25. Y'all have heard me say national by 25. That's it. So I ended up leaving after a year there to move to Dallas, Texas to become the co-host, the co-anchor of this nightly news show uh, for the CW affiliate. At the time, I was only 24, which is really young to be anchoring the evening news on a top five market program. But what kind of allowed or made space for that is it was the CW affiliate and they were trying something new where they wanted to cater to a younger audience and make the hard news stories more digestible and interesting for millennials. Um, So I moved down to Dallas, Texas. Y'all almost missed my flight the first morning I landed because I flew spirit never again never again. I don't even know why I did it. That might have been the first time I took a chance on Spirit. It was just that long ago before everybody knew what was up. Um, And I got to I got to the airport the day before we were supposed to um, start work. And then Spirit was like, yeah, nah, the plane didn't work. And I was like, I'm sorry? And they're like, yeah, no, the plane's broken. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. Okay, so um, what plane are we going to get on instead? And they were like, sis, that's a great question. Let me know when you find out. I said, okay, never again. So then I had to pay out the wazoo for a last minute flight on a different airline to get there that night. I was crying in the airport. I was stressed. I was like, how am I getting fired before I even start? But it was just in my mind, but it was my concern. So I ended up getting there in time. I started my first day of work. Everything was fine and it was great. So I was in Dallas. I was anchoring the five o'clock solo, a 30 minute program. And then the seven o'clock show, I had a co-host who's still one of my really close friends to this day. Shout out to Charlie. 
And he and I would do the evening newscast. And then I would also randomly make the weather maps. I was also the weather girl while I, while I was there. Um, and that is mostly, because not mostly, this is entirely uh, because um, the woman who I was replacing, who had a, a new job in a different city, she was an actual meteorologist and anchor. So I made it very clear. They're like, how do you feel about doing the weather? And I was like, well, I'm not a meteorologist, but they're like, it's fine. <laughs> Um, no. So basically I, w- I would create the weather maps and I would do that. And then whenever we would have extreme weather or, you know, um, tornado season, we would bring in an actual meteorologist. So anytime there was extreme weather, obviously we would take the proper precautions because I was really adamant about that, making sure that that happened. Um, but for the most part, it was just 90 degrees and hot as hell that I could handle. So I was aiming for national by 25 i was 24 and i got this opportunity to audition for fuse the cable music channel in new york and oh my gosh some other time i have to tell you this story about how it came together like how my hosting reel fell in the lap of someone and she just all the way looked out i had no idea that she was the assistant to the talent um, executive the vp of talent there but um she ended up passing my reel along And he loved it. So they asked me to come out. I flew out to New York. I auditioned for a week on air for Fuse. And that was it. They offered me the job. I was 24 and a half. And I packed up and got to New York before I was 25. So I reached that goal of of national by 25. But this, I want to take a moment now to just say, it is so important that I just say over and over again, these are the highlights, right, of my career, but I had so many lows, so many dips. By the time I was 25 and, you know, starting that job in New York, and I'm going to tell you about those early New York years, I had been rejected so often. I still sometimes go to my old emails from 2008, 2009, 2010, where I would just get, no, not right now, no thank you. I would send my photo and my resume and my my acting resume and my just straight up work resume trying to get a corporate job to people. And I was lucky if they responded and said no. Most of the time, they didn't even think it was worth responding to. I couldn't even get an answer. They would just leave me hanging. Um, And so sometimes I go back and read those emails just to remind myself of how far I've come, you know, when I get discouraged about what I still have yet to accomplish or something that didn't go my way or that I didn't get or land that I was excited or hoping to. I think about just how much bigger and how much more frequent the no's used to be. Um, And that shift to to a a perspective of gratitude really just does wonders. So 25, I'm in New York. Um, I was living with my friend from Ohio State in um, Newark, New Jersey at the time. And I had been out and living in Newark back in my girl group days, okay? (laughs) So I was familiar with downtown Newark. And uh, I'd lived there for a little bit and gotten really comfortable there. But Newark Newark ain't no joke sometimes now, okay? So uh, I was staying with my friend and 
I couldn't even afford to like rent a place, like my own place to start. I couldn't afford to be anywhere near the city. Hell, I couldn't even afford a hotel for the week that I had to audition in New York. And the cable channel wasn't going to pay for it because they didn't even know if they were going to hire me. So I actually slept on a friend's couch, also who lived in Jersey, and took like two buses every day and walked a bunch just to get to the audition site. But it paid off because I got the job. Um, So now I moved to Newark. I was living with my friend in his spare room on two black leather couches just pushed together, y'all. I didn't have a bed. I didn't have an air mattress. Nothing like that. And shout out to him because he was really looking out. He was just like, this is what I got. If you want to make the most of it, you can. So really, it was clutch. Um, But I just say that to say the grind was real, y'all. I was sleeping on two couches pushed together for a minute. Like, I don't know how long I stayed with him. At least three months. Um, Maybe up to six. I can't quite remember before I was able to finally save up a little bit, find a roommate. The New York housing market is insane insane they really are out here looking for your firstborn child in exchange for a 200 square foot closet but whatever so I was sleeping on his couches pushed together in the spare bedroom and um, I me and my brother my baby brother drove up with me from Dallas Texas to New York with all my stuff loaded up in my car which at that point once I got to Dallas I bought my first little luxury car it was a pre-owned BMW and I was so proud but ooh that interest rate was terrible y'all and I almost couldn't get a car and I can't wait to tell you my finance story because I'm giving you the career highlights but there were some financial low points throughout this entire journey that were happening at the exact same time and I had to get myself all the way together so I can't wait to be open and real with y'all about that um, when I share my finance story. So I had driven that car up with my baby brother. Um, and then I started hustling. I kept hustling. I was taking like two buses and a train every morning early through the winter trudging. I landed in the middle of the polar vortex. Google it. It was so bad. It was black ice, uh, knee deep snow, uh, just terrible, cold New York and New Jersey weather. And I was schlepping it. I was just roughing it, pushing through the streets of downtown Newark um, early, early, early every morning and late, late, late every night just to walk to get to the bus stop. I'm 25 at the time. And then I would take that bus to another bus. And then I would... Uh, transfer to a, a metro to a train I think the memory is fuzzy of like which ones I take but um but I would do that every day just to get to a Madison Square Garden where our show filmed and slowly but surely I started to carve out a little life for myself in New York um stack a little cash got an apartment you know I ended up staying in New York for a few years I did Fuse first and then MTV caught wind of me because of that And so they brought me in for a meeting. Things went really well. And then I ended up moving over to MTV. And I stayed there for about a year or so. That's also where I first met Charlemagne. Shout out to Char and the Black Effect Podcast Network. Happy to be here with Hot Happy Mess. And that's where I first met Charlemagne, who's become a a great friend since then. We were working on his MTV2 show together, which was called Uncommon Sense. 
with Charlemagne the God. Um, so I was doing that towards the end of my first year at MTV. But before that MTV2 op came, I was working here and there. I was in an overall deal, so I was getting paid no matter what. But honestly, it wasn't about the money for me. So I was really kind of miserable when I wasn't working because so much of my worth at the time, I thought at least, was tied into what I was doing and accomplishing in the workspace. And, you know, I talked about this in depth on the first episode of Hot Happy Mess, where when I wasn't working or achieving these awesome career highs, I was miserable in hindsight. And this was around the time that was happening. Like, I was pounding the pavement. I was grinding my ass off. Um, I was in New York, which is so go, go, go. And because I have such a hustler's mentality already, it just twisted the knife, made it all the the more intense and exhausting. Um, and then I wasn't when I wasn't working, it wasn't distracting me from the fact that I was miserable, right? Work was the distraction. And so I would sit on the the couch for just days and wallow instead of like taking a road trip or going and enjoying that life in that time while I had it. In hindsight, now that I'm so busy, I'm like, man, It's kind of like the pandemic. If you came out on the other side of it, lucky and blessed enough to be healthy and safe, you're like, man, I wish I hadn't been worked up into such a frenzy every single day, wondering when it was going to end. I probably would have been a little gentler to myself, read more of those books that I've wanted to read, you know, just made the most of it. Um, So now I wish I made the most of it, but I would just sit on the couch miserable and wonder why I wasn't working more and what I could do to work more and trying to create more opportunities for myself. So anyways, once I was at MTV, my goal was to be at E, E Entertainment Channel, E News by 30. And that was because um, once I had committed to the world of TV hosting, I, I tend to set really specific big goals, but not be too attached to how they happen and give them room to breathe. So I might have goals once a month or once a year, but my big ones tend to be about three to five years out. Five years from now, I want this to have happened. Three years from now, I want this to have happened. So then it gives me the space and freedom and flexibility for for the universe to work its magic and find a way to get me there. And I realized in hindsight that I was setting intentions even before I realized I was setting intentions um, because I was so specific. I made it so plain what I wanted that I think even subconsciously, every choice that I started making was a choice that would uh, put me on the path towards that end goal. You know, it's like a step is just a step until you look up and see you've taken a thousand. And so every day, I would make choices based on this subconscious promise to myself, which was that I was going to do these things, be national by 25, be on E! News by the time I was 30. The cool thing was E! News came earlier. I said by 30, but when I was like 27, they were interested in me. They'd see my work at MTV. They reached out to my agent. They they were looking for new talent and the courting process began and they ended up offering me an opportunity to um, move me to Los Angeles and work for E! News full time, which was amazing. And so that happened three years sooner than I'd even expected. You know, once I decided I was going to be a host, I was like, I want to do, I want to be the best at it. I want to be at the top tier of it. Right. So I want to be on the red carpet with Ryan Seacrest at the time. You see these icons, Juliana Rancic, Jason Kennedy. And it's so wild to say those names, knowing that all of that happened, that You know, Ryan Seacrest has tossed to me and said, let's go to Zuri Hall and the Skybox where she's covering the Oscars from a bird's eye view. Like, what the what? What? 
How is this life? How is this my life? Um, but that those things happened. And I do credit a lot of that to setting intentions, being really specific with what I want, but really flexible with how I get there. I never had a specific plan for how I was going to get any of the things that I've wanted in my life. I've just truly believed that it was going to happen and been willing to do whatever hard work presented itself in the moment to get me one step closer. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're in the home stretch of the career story. If you have specific questions about my career, as always, slide in the DMs, hit us up, hello at hothappymess.com or my DMs on Instagram at Zuri Hall. Um, and we can dive into more. But I got to E. I spent five, six amazing years there. That parlayed into um, Access Hollywood. I wanted to, my next goal was broadcast network entertainment news. I wanted you to turn on one of the big five, right? Like a CBS and NBC and ABC and be able to see me reporting on entertainment news. I wanted to expand outside of cable and because E was cable and so was MTV and views. Um, and so that I had that opportunity. And so I decided to leave and go to Access Hollywood. I ended up uh, joining the American Ninja Warrior team, which is a hit huge um, competition summer series um, on NBC also. And it's just been amazing. And that's the point in my life where I am now. And my next big goal was Hot Happy Mess to create a lifestyle movement um, founded on on a mindset that I believed in. And that's what we're doing now. So it feels so good. Uh, this this little life that I'm carving out for myself and I'm really blessed and grateful. And I know I started skimming over the, the last part of the career story, but mostly because I feel like that stuff, stuff sort of speaks for itself. Um, people have been following my journey, at least in the last few years. I share so much of it on social. Um, it's the early years that people tend to have the most questions about because um, there's just less documented about that. 
Um, so yeah, that's it. And now I am out in the the great outdoors, just outside of Yosemite, taping a podcast with my feet kicked up, sipping a burr. Anyways, um, okay, so that was my career story. And now I would love to get into some listener questions to close out this episode, baby. All right, time for the career questions. First up, we have Alexis from our... Ooh, Alexis, you a real one. This question came from our secret, super exclusive Facebook group, the Hot Happy Mess Facebook group. So go join the party if you haven't yet. We are building an awesome community over there. And y'all are getting exclusive access, more access, um, top priority when it comes to getting your questions answered or your stories or your stories highlighted or shared on the podcast. So go on over to the Facebook group, Hot Happy Mess, and answer the few questions that we have and wait for submission. Oh God, that sounds intense. A little naughty. Wait for, wait for entry. Just go join the group, y'all. Okay. Alexis says, Hey Zuri, I'm a sports journalist. And one of the big talking points in this industry is quote unquote job hopping for lack of a better term. Some say it looks bad on a resume to have multiple employers, while others say if you're good enough and climbing the ladder, it doesn't matter. As someone who's worked at four papers, about to be five soon in seven years, I have my own opinion, but curious about your thoughts. Take on how long you should stay on a job before making the next move. Okay, so Alexis, I am an advocate for job hopping. The thing, in my opinion, is there was a time when our parents and our parents' parents got a good job And it was like, if you work here for 30 years and give us your life and your loyalty, you can count on a promotion every five to 10 years, a slight pay bump and retire with some pretty cushy benefits. Our economy, our job market is so unstable these days and the world is moving so rapidly, particularly the space of media that it just doesn't work like that anymore. When I was first in local news, every new job I got was better than the last one and every single one. A couple people in my family would be like, just keep this job. Like, no, that's so good. That's so great. In 10 years, you could be like the lead anchor. And I'm like, y'all, I I am trying. God is doing a different thing <laughs> in my life, okay? Y'all, y'all can't see it yet. I can barely see it, but it's coming. And I am stepping out on faith and I will not be here a year from now. Um, so I was an advocate for grind, hustle, keep it moving. I saw those early local news years as kind of service Um, paying my dues for entry um, into the upper echelons of television and production in a way that was really respected by industry insiders because I'm not just a talking head. I know how to write. I know how to produce. I know how to edit my own copy and my own video. I I log my scripts. um, I pitch segments. I develop stories. So that was all stuff that I learned in local news. So I'm saying take enough time to actually do the work and get the experience, but don't take more than you need to um, if you have a specific goal and it's far away from where you are currently. So no, I'm not a big advocate for stay somewhere forever because that's just not the world we live in anymore. I think you stay as long as you need and you're right. If you're good enough and you're climbing upwards, it doesn't matter. To to someone in a hiring position, all that would say to me is, oh wow, this young woman or this young man 
he's getting it done. He was only at this station for a year, but it's because a year later he was able to climb 10 markets and end up at this station. And wow, that only lasted for, you know, two years because not long after that, he ended up at my competitor. I think that's impressive. And it says that you're ambitious, you work hard, and you're rewarded swiftly because people see that in you. Sean Marie says, Hi, Zuri. I'm a big fan of your work and have enjoyed watching your career evolution. I'm contemplating switching careers, but I don't have a lot of experience in a new career. What are your tips for networking? Ooh, okay. So we are actually going to do a full episode on networking without coming across like a stalker because that is my ultimate fear. Yeah, I dread networking. The word just sounds dirty, right? It's like, oh God, we've got to go network. Or like, oh my God, she's such a networker. And I, um, I'm actually a bit of an introvert. I'm an ambivert. So it's like, I love being outgoing and talking to people and getting to know people, but it does drain me and I need to recharge by myself alone for significant amounts of time to be able to go back out there and do it again. I'm not um, like a true full extrovert um, and extroverts, true extroverts get energy from people, from socializing, from um, doing the most and being super outgoing and talkative. That um, kind of fills up their tank where for me, it kind of depletes it, but I enjoy it while I'm running out of gas. So we're going to have an entire episode on networking coming. Um, One big thing that I would say is use technology to your advantage, particularly if you're thinking about switching careers. It might be hard to go knock on the office door of a brick and mortar um, building for an industry that you don't have any relationships in. Maybe the receptionist isn't even going to let you in because you don't even have a name to drop uh, so you can get into the office to leave your resume. But the internet is the world wide web for a reason. So I would say consider that. Start following thought leaders in the industry that you're curious about on Instagram and Twitter. Um, And not just the biggest thought leaders. Follow micro-influencers, people with smaller uh, followings that might be um, maybe similar to your um, level of expertise or lack thereof in the space, but they're curious. DM with people, leave comments under their photos. Oh, that's so great. Or, oh, I love that image. Or, oh, I love your perspective on blah, 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 blah. Utilize hashtags to find that content uh, for whatever your industry is. And then engage with people. Start to feel like you're creating a little bit of a digital community around the space you're interested in. And you'll start to pick up on lingo and start to see familiar faces popping up in many different conversations. And now you realize, okay, those are the movers and shakers. I need to get to know those people. And LinkedIn, 100%, Sean, you should definitely check out um, LinkedIn if you don't have a profile. It is like Facebook, except doesn't just totally waste your time. If there's one social networking platform that I think we should all be using more of and less of the mind-numbing stuff, it's LinkedIn because at least if you are ambitious, if you do have relationships that you want to build, I mean, these days you can do status updates, share articles, connect with random people, pay for access to C-level folks that you otherwise wouldn't be able to just bump into on a hallway. Um, So I highly recommend you get on LinkedIn and start digging around there and sending connections or sending requests for connection via message. Just be like, hey, this is my name. This is what I do. I'm interested in pivoting. 
Um, shoot your shot and just ask a couple of questions in that email and see if they'll answer. Or I'd love to take you out to coffee or lunch. Um, but if you can offer a service or help somebody a little bit in exchange for their time, they're normally more likely to give you a little bit of their time, you know. Um, but people are tired and they're exhausted and they work really hard, um, yourself included, in whatever your current industry is probably. And so when it when it's like, hey, can you just be my mentor even though you don't know me and have no emotional tie or obligation to me? That can be a little bit intense for someone who's already got a lot going on. But if you're like, hey, I just have these two or three specific questions, would really appreciate if you could answer them. And this is why. I think more often than not, people want to help out when they can. But also just stay tuned for the networking episode. It's going to be great. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, ooh, this is a good one. Um, her at is PBJellyXXX. <laughs> uh, she says, I want to switch careers, but I feel like I'm too old. I'm in my 30s. I'm not sure what I want to do, but I'm not fulfilled. My mom says, just work and make the money, but is it worth it? I feel very passionately about this, but I am such a big risk, big reward person. And first of all, you're not too old. You're never too old. I would genuinely, and with all seriousness be saying that even if it was someone in their 40s or their 50s or their 60s you have your one beautiful life to live and that is reason enough to never feel too old to do anything you didn't do it then but you're never going to be any younger than today (laughs) so you're younger than you will be do it now I feel your mom that is you know we all have family members like that I was told that a lot in the early years, you know, make your money, stack your cash, you worry about being happy later. Um, 
one of my best friends, Ashley, has talked about that too. Um, one, I suggest you go back if you haven't and listen to episode number one um, about how to be happy and the moment we realized we weren't happy and the breaking point. And the breaking point. Oh my gosh, there's a bee and it's trying to eat me. I mean, sting me. Um, the breaking point. And then also why we decided to take a leap of faith anyway. Ashley particularly, you know, she was, I think, 30, maybe even early 30s. Yeah, it was early 30s when she decided, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't want to live in Indianapolis anymore. I'm moving. I miss. I want sunshine. I get depressed in the winters. Um, and I just need to be in the outdoors. She was super successful, very accomplished, six figs, um, working in corporate America. And she dropped it all to move to Arizona and start from scratch. And she's never been happier. And now she's killing it in her career. She had to obviously pivot. So check out the Is It Time For You To Pivot episode also. Um, which could also help you answer this question of if you should do it. Um, And she's never been happier. So I am an advocate for stepping out on faith, but be smart about it. I don't think you should just work and make the money for the next, what, 20 years and be miserable for the next 20 years because now you have to ask yourself, what is my happiness worth? What is my peace of mind worth? Say you're going to make, you know, let's say 50K a year, for the next 10 years, 500,000. And then 20 years, that's a million. Okay. So a million over the next 20 years, but after taxes and all the other stuff, maybe you're walking home with like five, $600,000. Is that amount of money worth 20 years of your life? Because you won't get that back. You'll have the cash. Hopefully you will have been able to save, but a lot of it will have gone to just keeping a roof over your head, the essentials. That's what a lot of our money goes towards, you know, the mortgage, the car, the kids, your life, 20 years of your life is worth so much more than that um, because it's priceless. I, I've always been the type who would rather make less doing something I loved than sell my soul and be absolutely miserable. And I think that in the end is what attributed to a lot of my success is in those early years, I wasn't trying to make crazy money. I was sleeping on couches pushed together. I was taking the toilet tissue home from work from my local news station because I couldn't afford to buy toilet tissue myself. I was walking into my apartment um, and you know, when I was back in the Midwest and being like, I hope the lights are on and not being surprised if the electricity had gotten turned off because I wasn't able to pay the bill that month or the month before. Like, y'all, ish got real for me very often in those early years. I slept in the corner on a wooden floor on a cot in a baby's room in a nursery back when I was grinding in college and during summer breaks, my friends were vacationing and I was, you know, hustling. I was grinding I was taking the bus to GameStop because, yes, fun fact, I worked at GameStop when I was trying to make extra cash on the side while I was pursuing music. For me, it wasn't terrible because I was doing something that was putting me on track towards my purpose. And that, for me, was priceless. So I say that to say... If you know you don't love the job you're in and you know you won't love it 5, 10, 20 years from now, you deserve to do a thing you love. Save as much money as you can, a three to six month nest egg, ideally six to 12 months these days, particularly after what the pandemic taught us, and then make the leap. Reach out to a couple of friends 
and a couple of industry colleagues whose professional opinions you trust explain what it is you have on your heart to do, why you want to do it, and only do it once you have the courage of your convictions, once you believe deep down that this is what's right for you, and then set up that accountability network, that support team to help you when maybe things get a little tight, whether it's emotional it support, whether it's emotional support or, you know, materialistic or financial help on rare occasion or just someone to remind you of why you're doing this when it gets hard or tough. But I say do it because I'd rather look back on my life and have left no stone unturned than look back on my life and wonder what if. Why didn't I try? Oh God, I am so afraid of feeling that type of regret. I'm looking back at any portion of my life and saying, I could have taken that leap. The worst that would have happened is I would have fallen And then I could have gotten back up again and just kept moving forward. So I encourage you to do it, but I encourage you to do it wisely. And if there's something serious and specific that you have in mind, maybe you just want to get off the grid and go discover yourself. Go do that too. You need some extra savings. (laughs) But no, your 30s is not too old, okay? Oh, you did say that you didn't know what you want to do. So I will say this. I'm of the same mind with your mom that for as long as you don't know what you want to do, maybe just keep working your job and stacking the cash. But while you're working that job, carve out some time to be intentional about discovering yourself. Start meditating, start a journal, try a new activity. Are you artistic? Are you scientific? Are you more analytical or more spiritual? Experiment on your weekends and see what lights you up and then go to work and stack that cash. And then hopefully after, you know, three to six months, maybe a year of exploration and figuring out what strikes a chord and saving money, you can make that leap, make that pivot. Send the emails while you have the current job to folks in the new industry, you know? It doesn't have to be this extreme cut the cord, no looking back thing. It can be a gradual process. That's how a lot of the transitions in my life have happened. Shay Tucker says, hello, I cannot express how much I love the podcast. It's teaching me so much and changing my life. In the second episode, you talked about imposter syndrome. Is this a topic you could elaborate more on? I'd never heard of this until you mentioned it. I did a quick Google search and I feel like it is the definition of me. Thank you so much for creating this podcast. Well, first of all, Shay, thank you for listening. And I'm so grateful that you're loving it and that it's helping your life in, in, a, in a positive way. Um, for yours... I'm gonna, I did you kind of dirty just because I'm using your question as a teaser for the fact that we have an entire episode this series on imposter syndrome that is coming up. I have talked with two amazing experts. You are going to love them. Um, one is a really well known therapist in the space um, for therapy, particularly therapy for black girls. Hint, hint. And um, you're going to love these ladies' perspectives on imposter syndrome, on what it is, on how to get over our limiting beliefs, on why we have them, how to do it in the workplace, in our home lives, in our relationships. Um, So, Shay, stay tuned for that, okay? The imposter syndrome episode is coming in all of its glory within just a few weeks here. Okay, John Emanuel. All right, repping for the fellas. John says, my name is John Emanuel, and I am an 18-year-old Black Latino from Brooklyn, New York. I am currently a freshman at Fordham University in the Bronx, where I study communications and media. Hearing your story growing up inspired me because it reminded me of my experience. For high school, I went to Winchester High School through the program A Better Chance, which provides academically performing minorities to attend prestigious institutions throughout the nation. 
Code switching is definitely something I have had to do in order to survive, quote unquote, a predominantly white culture. You're in a position in your career that I have dreamed of being in for years, and I was hoping you could give me advice or suggest possible internships to point me in the right direction. I am so happy to see another person of color thriving in an industry in which there aren't many of us. May God continue to bless you and allow you to inspire children of color throughout the country. Thank you. Oh my God, John, you're going to make me cry. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words and shout out to you. Round of applause just one time for John Emanuel. You're killing it, dude. 18, doing your thing. You clearly take your your studies very seriously and you're extremely intelligent and, and high performing. So I can already tell that you've got a, a, a long and successful career in whatever it is you're choosing ahead of you. Um, when it comes to... My story, I appreciate that you hear some of your own in that. You know, I'd love to do, I've been thinking about doing an episode on code switching and just tapping into the the ways in which internalizing a lot of the microaggressions and experiences that one has um, being the only black person, the only person of color, the only woman um, in a space that is dominated by another kind of person, how internalizing that can really mess with you and really complicate your job experience, your mental wellness. Um, So I really want to dive into that in another episode and also ways in which we can minimize that, right? The, the need or desire to code switch and like, how do, how do we shape culture in a way that evolves it to where marginalized communities and marginalized people don't feel that sort of pressure? Um, So I'd love to deep dive into that conversation in another episode. But to answer uh, your question, John, about advice uh, for you, well, when it comes to pointing you in the right direction, I'll say you're headed in the right direction. I mean, you're clearly about your business. You're studying. You're in university. You're uh, focused on communications and media. What I would say is do not think or expect that you will go to school for four years, serve your time, quote unquote, and then that diploma is automatically entry and access to jobs. I hate to be the one to burst that bubble. You probably don't even think that now. I think so many of us have been jaded and sobered up by the reality of the job market these days, these, these past however many years. But the sooner you realize that, the better, because that means you can be planting seeds now instead of waiting. You need to hit the ground running at university, building relationships, building your network for the next four years so that by your senior year, you can start placing those calls with um, your mentors that you've um, started to cultivate relationships with, with your peers, with the friend of a friend who, you know, you sent your email to or sent the LinkedIn message to and have touched in with or touched base with once or twice a year for the last three years of of college, Um, because that's really what's going to get you the job. It is so discouraging sometimes, the truth of it's not what you know, it's who you know. And don't even get me started about nepotism (laughs) because it really is just like a slap in the face and a twist of the knife for people who really have to do it on their own in a really scrappy way. Um, But just know that. Know that that is the reality and start building your relationships and your networks now. As far as interning, um, it's been so long since I interned, but I was a big Interner, I was interning at like 15 and a half before I could even technically get credit. Um, 
for that one, um, I got to say, hold tight because obviously we'll have more episodes. So I believe they'll help you in a more of a deep dive way with the, with this career series. Um, but obviously utilize LinkedIn to the best of your ability. And when it comes to internships and other opportunities, you know what, John? I'm going to take your email. I'm going to think on this. I'm going to shoot you an email. All right. Now, give me a few weeks here. But I want to think on this in a really specific way and see if I can help you out or at least point you in a more specific direction. So stay tuned, John. Okay, so John was the last question, you guys. Hope you uh, got a little bit of something from that Q&A. And don't forget, this is just scratching the surface. We've got an entire series dedicated to career and to finance over the next few months. We have had an overwhelming amount of messages um, and DMs and tweets asking for advice in this space, which makes it clear to me that you guys want more of this. So we're going to do it. You spoke, we heard, we listened. Um, So stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed. If you love this episode, send it to a friend. Send it to two friends. um, And leave us a five-star review. They really help move the needle. They show, you know, the team, the powers that be, the Wizard of Oz, that this is content people are loving and needing and wanting more of. So if you could just give us a quick five-star review, leave a a sentence or two, um, it would be much appreciated. I will see you next Monday for another episode of Hot Happy Mess. Bye, guys. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.